The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Food waste is such a massive problem that it's almost too big to think about. Everyone would have heard the stats that say that more than a third of food and fruit and vegetables are wasted. This seems absolutely bananas, and there are many causes, but one is about accurately matching supply to demand. There are a lot of cafes and food sellers out there that fill a cabinet and hope with the best intentions. The last thing they want is to waste that food, but if for whatever reason people don't buy fresh items, they don't have much of a shelf life. Well, One Kiwi saw the beginning of a solution to this overseas and came back to New Zealand with the goal of helping to make the food industry more sustainable while giving smart shoppers heavily discounted food. Michael Garvey was living and working in Sweden and came across a service that listed end-of-day food for discounts. It helped people economise and helped the outlets move stock that could be wasted. Inspired, she looked to see if there was such a thing at home and seeing there wasn't, built it. The app, called Foodprint, is an ingenious way for great cafes and food makers like Ann Sushi, Ripe Deli and Bluebell's Cakery to list items for half price to ensure they sell everything through. It helps give people great food for less, measures carbon saved and cuts down that upsetting waste. To talk the journey, the uptake and what's coming next, founder and CEO Michael Garvey joins us now. Kia ora, thank you for being here. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Hey, so tell us, what, what were you up to in Sweden uh, when you came across this idea and what was your reaction? Yeah, so I sort of ended up in Sweden, I guess it was a bit of an accident. I had, um, previous to, to that, had done my two-year um, stint in London and wasn't sort of quite ready to come home um, and had been to Sweden a couple of times on holiday and just sort of fallen in love with it. So I thought, well, hey, um, I'm going to head over there. I'm going to learn to speak Swedish and do a wee web development course and sort of spend a year, um, yeah, just furthering my education. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was there and a friend of mine said, hey, have you, you know, you're studying, Sweden's expensive, have you heard about this app? Um, you can buy discounted food, prevent it from being wasted, and it's a really great way of experiencing the city. So, you know, I love to eat and, and get around and experience the city that way. So, yeah, it was, it was that's how it came across. And had you been looking for an idea to do of your own? Like what made you kind of like fall in love with it and think that's something that could be really useful elsewhere? 
Yeah, I guess in some ways I was sort of on the lookout for for an idea. Um, I think you know we always always are a little bit, um, but yeah, it was just something that really sort of struck a chord with me. Um, my time in London, I'd been at HelloFresh, so I had been sort of working in food tech there. Um, and prior to that, in my sort of early twenties, I'd lived in Colorado, uh, working in ski resorts and in the hotels, serving like the buffet breakfasts and all of that sort of thing. And um, that was sort of where I think food waste really got exposed. Well, where I really got exposed to food waste because it was literally part of my job there to throw food away um, and I thought that it was mental but my colleagues just sort of were like hey that's what we do um, because the food that's been out on the buffet can't obviously get re reserved to people um, and so yeah it was sort of like this combination of of those sort of different experiences um, and and really the environmental impact of it that just really struck a chord with me and I can remember sort of sitting there and and you know sort of writing away with so writing away some code and thinking um, as I was eating my meal like why is no one doing this um, at, at home and that was sort of my aha moment of well hang on I'll go home and do this. Um, yeah. and, and, and how did you go about validating um, you, you know like taking that concept seeing if it could work on the New Zealand scale and I guess with the kind of coding abilities um, pulling it together? Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of finished up my course, um, set my, my Swedish exam and, and came home. Um, and I just, I guess the first validation was that I had seen the model working overseas. You know, there are multiple apps in, in different countries that do a similar, similar thing to Foodprint. And I had the experience of using many of them and figuring out what I did and didn't like about each of them. Um, and then, I mean, I came home and I started sitting in cafes and watching what was happening um, and, and seeing, you know, huge excess amounts uh, at, at times uh, and then just talking to people. So I sort of graduated from sitting there and, and watching to, to asking a few questions um, around, you know, what places were doing with any surplus food. Um, and the key question was, if there was a way where you could make money off of food that was previously thrown out, would you be interested? And I think I got a 100% yes, of course, uh, answer on that one. Yeah, because what, what was the response when you went and talked to these cafe owners? Because it must be heartbreaking to like yeah. make these beautiful cakes or make these kind of elaborate sandwiches uh, and then and then have to kind of like, um, I, I suppose you don't have to throw them in the bin, but a lot of it goes out to kind of like farms for pig food and yeah. You know, there's not a lot of, of ways that it's going to people to eat. Yeah, I think what really struck me was that a lot of places seem to have looked into options of what they could do with food and, and that the options here are really limited, um, pretty much like you say to, to pig farms. Um, there are a small number of charities that will collect food, but increasingly uh, the charities are not looking for, you know, sort of prepared items of food. They want ingredients to be able to cook food. And then if you are taking prepared food, um, it comes with additional challenges such as temperature controlled vehicles, battling with Auckland's traffic, um, you know, that, that don't necessarily make it um, an ideal option um, yeah. for a lot of them. And I imagine insecurity of supply because a great day for the cafe owner is everything selling and a terrible day for a charity wanting to feed people is turning up and there being um, nothing in the in the cabinet. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's sort of why they've moved more to direct to um, sort of food producers and suppliers that can help them out on that grander scale. And so when you talk to them about this kind of 
option. Um, yeah, like like how do you pitch it to them and how do you get them on board? Yeah, so I think um, first up, I think one of the other things I found is that a lot of people don't really want to talk about waste. Yeah. You know, it is sort of this, um, it's got this perception of being something you need to be ashamed of, um, you know, and so sort of actually getting into that level of conversation uh, it can be challenging at times. But I think the the sort of early adopters are ones that say like, yes, it does happen. Unfortunately, um, it is sort of part of our trade. But the fact that you're coming to me with a solution, like, great, let's have a conversation of, about it uh, and see how it can can work in your eatery. And how does the solution work? Like, how, what happens if someone downloads? Foodprint today. Yeah, so uh, as as a customer of Foodprint, you can download the app. Um, you can search and follow your favourite. So you sort of push on the little heart, um, and that creates the list of eateries that you want to receive push notifications from. Um, and so that means that when, for example, Bluebell's Cakery uh, puts up a, a cake, you'll get a notification that it's available. Um, and you know, sometimes, especially with cakes, you've got a matter of seconds to buy them before somebody else does. Uh, you purchase it within the app and then you go in to collect it. So it's sort of also about reconnecting people to, um, you know, customers, to the people that are actually making their food um, and, yeah, helping draw in customers and a great way to explore some new eateries that you might not be aware of beforehand. Kia ora, I'm Sophie. I'm Simon. And I'm Alice, and together we host the spin-off's food podcast, Dietary Requirements. Join us each month as we explore a vast culinary landscape, from the gourmet... Ooh la la. ...to your more hearty tucker. Onion dip, anyone? Everything's on the table in Dietary Requirements. Subscribe wherever you listen to all your favourite podcasts. lovely podcast listeners jane here with a friendly reminder that christmas is right around the corner and you know presents and all that the good news is we've got all or at least some of your gift giving needs covered at the spin-off shop from tea towels to t-shirts tote bags to toby morris prints or a copy of the spin-off book our range of merch will look great under a tree or in a stocking or at a secret santa exchange in any kind of gift giving situation they'll look good is what I'm trying to get at. But don't take my word for it. Go and see for yourself. Head to members.thespinoff.co.nz forward slash shop and just try to resist. Actually, don't try to resist. Just buy some stuff today if possible. Thank you. Bye. So there's a bunch of kind of cafes that, you you know, at the end of the day put the sandwiches they haven't sold, but also a bunch of other cakeries and bakeries and the like that might have excess inventory that pops up a little bit earlier or in fact you, you brought a um a cake in to see us today uh thank you for that and it's no enormous and looks amazing but what what led to it being on your app yeah so normally i wouldn't ask what was wrong with the food <laughs> but in, in this case i did ask the team and um it, it's a cake that's got caramel around the bottom and it's sort of leaked out a little bit um, so it's not as, say, cosmetically pleasing as the cakery would have would have liked for their customer who's ordered it. Um, so in this case, that was the reason for them to put it on the app. Wow, um, it still looks fantastic. And yeah. but I, I and I imagine is that kind of um, 
What's the kind of breakdown of the food that you find on the app between kind of excess inventory or cancelled orders versus those kind of, you know, 3pm, we need to move it kind of stuff? So it it is really varied and we don't necessarily always know exactly what was, say, wrong with the food. Mm. Um, uh, But, you know, we do have sort of food going up as early as 7 o'clock in the morning, um, right through to about 9pm at night. Um, And our busiest time is kind of, as you say, that post-lunch sort of a couple of sandwiches and some salads, maybe some sushi, which is what I grabbed for lunch on my way in here today as well. Um, But yeah, it's, it's sort of quite varied and, you know, no two days are the same, which definitely makes it fun. And the prices on the app, is it always half half price or what, what are the kind of systems there? Yeah, so it, it's always a discount. Uh, initially, we were, uh, the discount started from 50% off. Um, and in the sort of post first lockdown world, um, we we spoke to our customers and, and understood what they wanted and, and changed it and gave them the option to discount from 30% off. Um, but, you know, there was some muffins on there this morning that were 90% off. So um, people... People do kind of, yeah, it's, it's up to the eateries to decide what, what discounts they want to apply. Um, they do kind of go up in those 10% increments, and that's just a, a back-end user experience uh, feature to make it easier for them um, to select. And so as a user, you can kind of jump on at 2.30 and see what's on the app and see what's close to you on um, a map thing. And there's that kind of like, um, from having had a bit of a play with it, there's that spirit of kind of like, ooh, that thing's on. And it's quite an exciting discovery process. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's sort of the feedback we get both from our, our customers being the, the end purchases and our customers being the eateries is that, um, yeah, people sort of discover new things and um, different types of food that they might not have known about um, through, through using Foodprint, which is really cool. Yeah. And the food's always kind of, still good to eat, still good to go. It's still got a little bit of life. It just doesn't necessarily, uh, it won't necessarily be right for tomorrow morning for the cafe. Yeah, exactly. So most of the food that's on there is sort of produced that same day this cake that's in front of us is a prime example um, and and all of the food sort of still falls under the cafe or, or eateries um, food control plan um, so they're sort of responsible for upholding all of those standards so yeah it's it's not food that's uh, about to walk out the door on its own. <laughs> and how's the, how's the um, app gone? How's the reception been with customers uh, since, since launch? Yeah, so we're about a year and a half in so far. Um, and we sort of, the, the first week, which, you know, is a while ago now, that was an absolute whirlwind. Um, our target was to get a 1,000 downloads in the first week. And we got that by about 7 p.m. on the first day. Um, and it's just kind of continued from there, which has been, you know, really amazing to, to see. Um, and I think one of the things that I find really interesting about our customers is that we, you know, we, we have customers who are now making their first purchase sort of a year and a half in um, with Foodprint, but who joined sort of in that first week of, of June um, last year. So it shows that our customers are, you know, really, really engaged with the app, um, and which, which is really cool. I think um, for myself, if I have an app sitting on my phone for a year and a half that I haven't used a lot of the time, it's, it's not there anymore. <laughs> but um, the fact that these customers tell us that they are getting the push notifications and they're firing it up um, daily and just sort of waiting for, um, you know, the right, the right sort of set of circumstances 
circumstances that leads them to need to use it on a day is is yeah. quite cool. Have some people kind of, you know, in places dense with eateries uh, like the central city, have they shifted their lunch back to 3pm just to be able to take advantage of it? <laughs> um, I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I'd say that there's probably a few people that, that might kind of be uh, fit into that, that sort of waiting around sort of vibe. Um, but I think the nature of the app being, um, you know, quite... Uh, impromptu you know people generally tend to be driven by their stomachs so if you're hungry at 12 o'clock you're gonna you might look on food print and see what's there but you're still gonna sort of go out and and buy your lunch when you're hungry most of the time and what's the scale because you measure carbon and um, also kind of you know number of units through what's the scale of the impact that you've been able to have and diverting things that would have otherwise gone to waste. Yeah, so I think at the moment we're about 50,000 uh, kilos of carbon dioxide equivalent gas um, that we have essentially um, stopped going into the atmosphere through food rescue. Um, and that's sort of, yeah, just just the small beginnings, really. That's wild, eh? As that's quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but the the problem is... So massive, like yeah. it's it's kind of you know like in the intro saying it's hard to actually get your your head around the idea that a third or more of of all food that's produced is wasted because you kind of think, well that seems silly. <laughs> surely, yeah. surely if that was the case for all of this time, you'd work on it and get the number down. But it's enormous. Yeah, I think even working in the industry, like I struggle to get my head around the numbers, you know like you say, it's a third of the food that's produced, it's 40% of fruit and vegetables don't make it to the plate um, you know, and it's that's not just a waste of the food itself, it's also a waste of all the resources that have gone into making that food and people don't tend to think about it as a waste of those things but you know it's a waste of our soil our water, our labour um, our land, our money, our transport you know and all of those things have emissions associated with them as well and so when you look at, at the food that is wasted across the world it actually accounts for about 8% of our emissions so it's a huge um thing that we should be able to quite easily tackle and, and get down and have significant impacts on climate change at the same time. Yeah, I mean, just the thought of, you know, making dinner and chucking a third of it straight in the bin or every time you do some baking, putting a third of it you know, out yeah. to the compost straight away. Or, or look at it in terms of, like, you know, if you change it up to to a different industry, like, what if we said that we wasted a third of the gold or the diamonds that we mine and people would just think that that's absolutely crazy because it's this really valuable resource, but so is food and we just don't sort of look at it in the same way and it doesn't hold the same value somewhere along the line. We've just become really disconnected from our food systems um, and, and created this really unsustainable system. Yeah. And so this kind of um, movement to, to get people to talk about waste and to uh, to look at it, I mean, you're not asking people to kind of, you know, um, scrape some mould off and eat something. I mean, you're talking about things here that, that are entirely perfect. But as you say, like, it does take a slightly brave business owner to lead the charge on acknowledging and doing something to um, address it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I was really lucky um, early on to get connected or um, just reach out to, to a bunch of eatery owners um, who were sort of my, my first adopters and um, and who 
could could see, you know, could really understand the problem and are doing everything they can in their businesses to um, reduce the amount of food that is being wasted, but also acknowledge that it, it does happen and are being are willing to um, sort of celebrate it in in this way. And you know, that's um, the likes of Angie at Ripe Deli and Jeremy at Revive and Megan at Little Bird um, Kitchen, um, Carla from Bluebells. Uh, you know, I. I am so grateful for them for, you know, being those early adopters and, and helping to sort of build our community mm. and, and really take charge. And um, But I think it's also sort of um, part of it is the demand that consumers have on businesses now. You know, everyone wants to know and understand the sustainability story of the businesses that they're spending their money at. And so uh, by being part of Foodprint, that's sort of helping contribute to their sustainability story. And you do as a consumer feel like you've got a real bargain when one of these really premium places you love, you know, and, and it's it's so affordable. Yeah, exactly. And you just feel good about it because you you, know, you feel like you've done something um, good for the planet as well. And it's as simple as eating a piece of cake, which who doesn't love cake? <laughs> and in terms of um, the other sustainability initiatives there. Tell me about the container program that you're operating. Yeah, so um, we launched um, in July of this year in conjunction with uh, Plastic Free July, our Bring Your Own Container feature. Um, And this was sort of a no-brainer for me, and it was sort of something I toyed around with at the beginning um, and decided to to leave it out to start with because Foodprint was already this whole new concept that was going to require sort of this level of education around what we were doing. Um, But it was and still is always a concern that by creating more food on a sort of takeaway level, you're encouraging more, um, you know, containers to be wasted and and that sort of thing. And, you know, a lot of people sort of have that vibe of, oh, it's fine, it's compostable. But actually that compostable container is only compostable if it's composted and if it just goes to landfill, which about 90% of them do, it's just rubbish and it may as well have been plastic. Um, so we have sort of implemented this really simple tick box in the app where uh, once you purchase something, um, you can tick the box to say that you're bringing your own container. The eatery knows not to package it up uh, and that you can go in there, bring your container um, and you know cut down on that waste as well. And so that's been really successful um, despite the fact that about a month after it got launched, uh, Auckland went into another another lockdown, which resulted in um, you know a lot of uh, eateries sort of saying, "Hey, we're we're not going to be accepting those." But um, it's bounced bounced back again over the last couple of months. Yeah, it was a big year for single use uh, plastics and materials <laughs> yeah. for a little while there. They just and came back. <laughs> fingers fingers crossed, it was just a little um, last gasp bounce back. And in terms of where it's available now. Yeah, like where can people get involved uh, if you're an eatery and you're interested or if you're a person who's interested in getting the app? Where, where, where can you find, uh, you know, you know, eateries on it? Yeah, so at the moment we're just available in Auckland. Um, the, the idea was that this year we'd expand around the rest of the country, but um, things have been slowed due to a, a certain friend that's popped up. Um, and But, you know, we, we are sort of hoping that, that next year things will level off a little bit and um, sort of the idea of expanding um, will, be, will be a bit easier. So um, regardless of where people are, they can download the app and, and take a look. And we're always open to um, hearing where, where people are and, and that kind of helps us guide 
where where we might want to go to. Um, the app's available in both the, the Apple App Store and Google Play. Um, and obviously, if there's any eateries that are keen to, to jump on board, then they can just get in touch either via Instagram or, or our website. Tell me about awards, as you've uh, won a number of awards, both on the sustainability s- side of things, but also for the kind of design approach that uh, you've taken in designing the solution to the problem. Yeah, so Foodprint's been really fortunate to um, have been awarded a, a couple of awards, like you say, both for sort of the business side um, and also the, the design ones, which I obviously share those ones with my amazing developers um, who are a small uh, agency based here in Auckland called Seven Glyphs. Um, and so I was connected to them through a friend who I knew from London. Um, his name's Mac, uh, Nick McAvoy, and he is the CEO of um, an app called Good Nest, where you can sort of book um, home home services. Um, and so, yeah, he'd, he'd worked with them and, and sort of said, hey, go along and, and meet these guys. But, um, yeah, it's been really incredible and, and quite humbling to, to get that recognition. Um, the latest ones was the... the um, Best Design Awards um, for our week where we got a gold for the digital product section. And um, I was at the awards with my sister and um, she really laughed at my face. It was just absolute shock um, for sort of little old me to be there with, you know, some of New Zealand's biggest agencies. And to receive that kind of recognition was, yeah, really, really cool and really humbling. Uh, What would your advice be to people who um, come across an idea that they think could have real impact uh, and decide to to back it and make it happen. Yeah, I think that um, just sort of go for it. Start putting feelers out. Start talking to people. You know, do your research, validate your idea, um, and then go for it. But I think at the same time, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I've been really amazed at how many people are willing to, uh, you know, give give me their time. Um, whether it be in terms of giving feedback on the really initial design stages right through to, um, you know, this year I've been lucky enough to participate in the Sprout Accelerator program, which is run out of Palmerston North, um, and had an amazing mentor, Jonathan Good, who um, kept me level through through those dark, dark lockdown days. Um, but, yeah, so I think, you know, acknowledging that it's really hard to do these things alone and, and getting out there and, and getting help uh, is really important to, to kind of help keep you on track. Yeah, it must have been one heck of a year for you and your custom, customers, all yeah. of the, um, the eateries. Yeah, uh, definitely being kind of less than a year old and, and not being able to operate for five weeks or so was quite the ride. <laughs> um, we also changed our model up. Um, in fact, before the government had even announced our level system, we allowed eateries to use food print for all online ordering. Um, and that was, you know, this great kind of experiment for us. And, you know, a lot of the eateries were set up with us. They weren't set up on any other platform. So it just made sense for us to make a couple of real small changes in the back end to, to allow for that. Um, and I think over, especially over that initial lockdown period, there was just food ordering and other kind of apps just popping up, like literally overnight. Um, and it also sort of meant that I was all of a sudden competing in this space that wasn't quite the space that I sort of set out to to 
um, be working in. Um, and it sort of took away a little bit of our like point of difference from anything else out there. Um, and ultimately, we listened to our customers, both being our, our eateries and the, the people who are purchasing the food. Um, and they kind of said, like, you have this amazing point of difference, you know, stick to that, stay true to that. And so, yeah, quite quite the experiment for us, but um, feel really good to be sort of doing back to, to doing what, what I set out to do as well. Yeah, and that's so cool. And as a final kind of thought, like, you know, a year and a half uh, from from launching and great upticks, fantastic brands on there and already making, you know, um, waves with awards and like uh, getting carbon aside. Like what will success be for you with uh, this, this app and this idea? Yeah, I think um, having food print available nationwide. So no matter where you are, you can fire up the app and, and find some food to rescue is sort of the, the ultimate um, success for me on, on that level. But I think as well, if Foodprint can sort of provide, um, be something that sort of champions change in the way that people are thinking about food, um, and that that goes from the food that they are buying from cafes and restaurants and food that they're bringing into their homes, um, then you know that's that's really success for me. I think ultimately, I really want food to be valued because it is made to be eaten. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's so awesome. Well, thank you for sharing the story. Uh, that's Michael Garvey, the CEO and founder of the app Foodprint. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much, Tina Diller, for producing. Uh, yeah, and get, get yourself on the app store and uh, download yourselves a copy of that app. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound and brought to you by the spin-off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.